Hello, welcome to Religion Unplugged podcast. This is Paul Gladder, executive editor at Religion Unplugged. Yeah, hello, Hamil. I've got on the phone today one of our contributors based in Washington, D.C., Hamil R. Harris. Welcome. Hey, it's always a pleasure to be here in the nation's capital and to talk to my good friend up the road in New York City. Absolutely. So, you know, Hamil covers many different uh, stories on, on different topics for us, sometimes politics, sometimes culture. And um, this whole thing, this story we're talking about today is actually about architecture and religious uh, sacred place and space. Tell us tell us uh, what your story is about. Uh, well, I, I think it's, uh, it's all a little culture, too. Well, you know, for years, one of the great landmarks that's shrouded in mystery is in Washington, in the greater Washington area, is the Mormon Temple. And, you know, you have a lot of churches or different um, buildings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but mm-hmm. the, the, the official Washington Temple is this seven-story large edifice that stands out on the Capitol Beltway, 495, and mm-hmm. you can't miss it. In fact, it's been shrouded with mystery because unlike other Mormon um, buildings, the temples are places where they do ritualistic work, like mm-hmm. baptism, you know, um, um, and different the church ordinances, and this mm-hmm. is restricted to just members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And mm-hmm. for years, um, they've had a visitor center where you can go and see the story of the Mormon mm-hmm. Church and Joseph Smith. But that temple has been off limits to people mm-hmm. who are you know restricted to the membership of the church. But mm-hmm. Every, like, so often, like, every 50 years when they're doing construction work or something like that, they will open the temple to the public and then rededicate it, basically take uh, the carpet and stuff, and they rededicate and consecrate it just for the church. Well, such was the case uh, starting around Easter time and went on the way to June mm-hmm. where the Mormon temple was open. That was interesting for me. For years when I was at the Washington Coast, I've done a lot of stories on the, the Church of Jesus Christ and their evangelistic work because they are well known in the nation's capital for going into the black community and with the bicycles hmm. and the guys with the white shirts and ties and to evangelize. Even hmm. when Gladys Knight, remember Gladys Knight the Pimp, she um, joined the LDS. Oh, really? Party. And so she, but she performed the had a meeting at one of the state centers in Stuttgart. So, again, that's mm-hmm. open to the community. But everybody wanted mm-hmm. to know, what is it like in the temple? Mm-hmm. So I got let's, pause, let's pause for a second right there, too, to kind of set this up, the visual picture. We, in our story at Religion Unplugged by Hamil uh, that we're publishing, you'll be able to see a photo of, of Hamil in front of this temple. But, but for those of you who haven't been there, just to pause for a second before we – go to the next part of, of Hamil's experience at this temple. Uh, you know, if you're driving on the Maryland side of the Beltway, which goes around Washington, D.C., um, you'll see these spires sticking up. Right, right. right. It almost looks like Lord of the Rings, and I've, I've seen this thing many times. It's quite dramatic. Um, the fact that, that one of those spires, these gold, they look like missiles or pistols at the top. You have <laughs> one with their their um, iconic um Person is like a, uh, and I'm sorry, I should know that um, one of the spires uh, 
is someone with a, I think, the trumpet or something. But it, everything is symbolic of that temple, and and so you do have that. And again, mm-hmm. once you come into the facility, the state security is heavy. It's that, so I was kind of paranoid. Mm-hmm. Really so about question, uh, question, Hamil, on, on you know, like the, the the LDS Church had sent out invitations even to journalists to come and visit this thing, right, and I was right. like, I was wondering, oh, Hamil, could you visit this? And then, um, but what happened? Did you just show up randomly? No, or what, no, you no. What happened? Or how, how did you end up going to the temple? Well, what happened is I missed most of the time the invitations, but then on the very last day. I got a chance to go in. The reason why it happened, I was doing a TV show with members of the church, and they were talking about the temple tours uh, was still going on, and it was the last weekend. I was oh, man. And so I went to Eventbrite, not a press pass, and just went as a regular person. And what amazed me is I was able to get in. So I finally got the permission from Eventbrite and a ticket that was on my phone. And hmm. so it was funny. It was hilarious because, I'm like, I hope I get in. I hope they may not let me because, mm-hmm. you know, as a journalist, you know, I don't know. Sometimes there's a lot of distrust between the LDS and journalists because they don't always get the best press. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I didn't, I, I didn't know what would happen. So I, I, I got the, the the phone ticket, and I remember getting there. I'm like, okay, here we go, because I've been to the visit center, but I walk up to this tent and they had the, the church members there. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man. And I said, well, I was trying to show that I should be here and was invited months earlier. And they said, oh, no problem. Come on in. But we're going to make it easy for you. She says, there are a lot of steps. There are a mm-hmm. lot of steps. And but we're going to give you a wheelchair, and we're going to push you. Hmm. You're going to love it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. But being that I've had a disability with my foot, I said, maybe this would be good. Hmm. But sure enough, if you see me with my guide, and so I'm going in. I said, well, I'm a journalist. And I think that was no problem. So it was amazing how hmm. people going to the temple had included members of Congress, the media, everybody. And so the first thing is the wheelchair itself had been consecrated, the wheels. Hmm. And after that, I got out into the tour. How did you find that out? Did they tell you or you oh, asked no, about it or what? It had special, you know, what you do once you go through the initial inside the first door then you transfer and you get into a wheelchair and mm-hmm. the wheelchair and they give you your person who's going to push you through. Now, mm-hmm. what was interesting, I was not supposed to put my feet on the floor of the temple. And even mm-hmm. though they, you know, let people, and when everybody went in, you had to have shoe covers. And mm-hmm. being that I was an OR nurse for years and a scrub nurse, I'm mm-hmm. used to shoe covers. So I'm like, Oh my goodness. So I was trying extra hard not to, um, touch the floor, I was trying to be a good person. And mm-hmm. so the guy that was pushing me was giving me this tour. You walk in, the first door, you can see a picture of an African-American woman mm-hmm. uh, right there at the front, right there right outside the door. So I thought, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. So there was, a, and they kept emphasizing the point mm-hmm. of inclusion, but at the same time, they said, well, we only have like four pictures of Joseph Smith. So they kind of volunteered that. I'm like, hmm. okay, no. I just, and so then you go to the elevator, and you go up one flight. So when well, I'm in there, mm-hmm. then you go across this walkway. And mm-hmm. what I realized is that the entrance to the temple is not really the the main, the kind of secret, the, 
thing tore him, like inside. So you go across this walkway, and that's when you're inside the temple. And it's really uh, seven stories of kind of offices and smaller mm-hmm. chambers versus a real large sanctuary kind of thing. It, so you go in, and the first thing you see, one of the big things, is this baptismal font or pool. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a big, gigantic cup of soup, cup of saucer and it's suspended on oxen. It's like, uh-huh. and so you remember Mormons when they made the great trails from the east mm-hmm. to the west, you know, in the Utah, that trail. Well, mm-hmm. it's like that trail, those oxen that, that, hold, that took the Mormon people across mm-hmm. the U.S., you see that and you have this baptismal. And being a marked church that I attend is the Church mm-hmm. of Christ, and so we believe in baptism as well. And so we had that commonality about baptism. And, and hmm. it's interesting because I know historically there was a relationship between Joseph Smith of the Mormon Church and Alexander Campbell and the Campbells that hmm. came from Scotland for the Church of Christ. So you come in and it's, it's very, very um, ornate, very um, light and just light-colored mm-hmm. carpet. And you see all these people going up the steps. So I said, oh, my mm-hmm. goodness, I'm glad I'm on this. And I felt mm-hmm. sorry for the guy because I'm a big man, and he's pushing me, but I'm going through. So you see the baptismal font, but then the next floor, two and three, are these rooms where the young people, they engage in a process of proxy baptisms where they're dressing rooms. Mm-hmm. And the dressing rooms is where you have to wear all white, nothing but these white jumpsuits, mm-hmm. like a jumpsuit, baptismal outfits. And they spend a bulk of their time baptizing people who hmm. have already passed away or in the name so that their soul will be, I guess. Oh, interesting, yeah. You know, that whole What do those jumpsuits look like? Did you see the jumpsuits? Well, yeah, Are they like squeaking kind like or what? This looks like a, a, a one-piece baptismal suit. It's mm-hmm. more like a baptismal suit where it's white, all white, and you have... It's a certain material, but then you have a big barrel of um, uh, towels and other things. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of baptisms going keep on. Keep it all, keep it all clean. Speak and span yeah, in there. It sounds you like you have the older members of the church mm-hmm. that are. They were very nice, and, you know, from the elevator operator to people, and they're posted throughout the buildings on every floor. Now, and the big mm-hmm. baptism is that, but then as you get higher, they have. Um, the wedding chapel, basically, hmm. where you have the rooms where you go, and it, unlike a normal church wedding, could be two or three hundred people. Most of those rooms can handle about thirty people, unless mm-hmm. where it's more of an intimate gathering. So uh-huh. You see the altar, and it's circular, and the mm-hmm. whole building is shaped like a special um, five-pointed um, a parallelogram. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, from the outside, you can't see inside, but on the inside, it allows light to come in. Mm-hmm. And as you get higher and higher, probably the sixth floor is the most special floor because that's when they have this holy of holy rooms. And mm-hmm. you go in there, there's no talking, but you, I was pushed in there, and you kind of meditate, just think about, you know, whatever, you know, something. Mm-hmm. And there is a sanctuary on the seventh floor, but I couldn't get up there on that one because no. it was just 
kind of crowded up there. Oh. But it was, but the main thing I thought about this experience is you saw diversity. You saw people of color from mm-hmm. different backgrounds, walks of life. And I just thought that, you know, keeping an open mind about diversity, I thought it was a good experience just to visit something. Now that is, now what will happen now? Because they will have the rededication, I think, in August, where they're kind of recleaning the building or doing whatever they're doing to prepare mm-hmm. for that that moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, yeah, I saw that in August they're going to do a rededication. So um, I didn't realize the tours are done now, but are they going to give more tours in August? No, that's it. No, that's, that's it. it. Okay. So I, 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 all the, mm-hmm. I guess those non-Mormons, we've had our moment. But you had a moment, okay. They have dedications of temples all across the country. I think in the state of Florida, there are three or four now. And mm-hmm. these are these oh, and it, these places are really large. And it seems that now they've had them in the past. So anytime they have this construction spiritual opportunity where mm-hmm. they're doing work that's it's massive, then they use that as a moment to let the public in to see what's happening. And mm-hmm. then it goes back to dedication time. And okay. the reason why this was interesting to me, going back to 1978, I was a Boy Scout, and I went to National Camping School. My roommate at the time was a Mormon. And hmm. believe it or not, he told me at that time, oh, yeah, you could be in the church now. Because for years, many minorities like myself, so we were not welcome into what they call the priesthood. or just full-fledged membership of the church. Of which, which church? This, in oh. the church of Jesus, the Mormon oh. church. Okay. And so, um, Prophet Gimbel, you know, he was the most well-known um, Mormon leader did have this revelation in 1978. So that week, that went to camp school, I think it was in June, it really was when the Mormon church opened up to all people, regardless mm-hmm. of color. You, you write about that. You write about something in your story here about 1978, right. after we mentioned the, the picture right. of, of the woman in the hallway, African-American woman in the hallway. Right. It, it Did it seem like they were trying to project, hey, we are diverse because there was criticism yeah. in the past for for well, being exclusionary or or even having some theology that was ra- right. uh, you know, racist, I, I guess, in really, some way. I, in my heart, knowing the history and knowing people over the years, um, I think they want to show on the other side of some mm-hmm. stuff because if you know the history and the visitors, they had to, they have really spent a lot of time showing movies and stuff and producing films to show this diversity. But in fact, when they had that, I, I don't I think the Reverend, they had this really Hollywood-style movie that was very well done. They showed, you know, in that transition across the country, um, you know, some of the, the early Mormons, and they did include people of color. And I think it was a mortician that was well-known within the church. Now, I think there's an urban legend, it's an urban part of this where in D.C., Southeast Washington was well known for one of the poorest sections of the city for years and had a lot of crime. It changed now a lot of, all of D.C. is changing. Fancy. But yeah. what mm-hmm. was amazing, everybody knew the Mormons would come in the summertime and they always mm-hmm. be quote, the two white guys on bicycle. And they were well known <laughs> of going in the rough part of the city and evangelizing. And hmm. so a lot of people have stories about coming to D.C. 
in the Mormons coming. They just were part of the background. So I think what this has done, it shows another part of the. And again, I had a friend who was a bishop within the um, Mormon church, and I talked to him about it. He's, it's interesting. He's still technically a Mormon, but he's not as involved as he used to be. And mm-hmm. and but he still said, "Well, yeah." They, he just won't make any comment. He just said, "Off the record, it's good they open it up, but then there are other things." So again, there's still a small number of I think about, about five to six percent, and mm-hmm. I don't want to do a numbers game. So it's still not as many African Americans part of it, but you still have a percentage. Now, ironically, in Washington, one of the most famous citizens of residence was J.W. Marriott, is in the Marriott mm-hmm. Hotel family. Oh, and yeah. So the Marriott, I remember talking to him years ago when I used to do articles. And so some of the, like I said, some of the pillars of the city are, you know, part of the LDS. Hmm. I didn't realize Marriott was, was oh, LDS. Yeah. Oh, but this, yeah. <laughs> this brings up a question, though, like, you know, um, when I saw that temple from the highway, when I've driven by it, in my mind, I kind of wonder, and certainly I've seen other, other temples are quite impressive, but this one's really kind of impressive the way it looms so large from the highway. But it, it made me wonder, Hamil, like, in reading your story, it made me wonder, is the D.C. LDS temple special in some way for Mormons trying to, does it relate to them trying to seek influence in the nation's capital and politics or anything? Because we know, we know for one reason, um, or one example was when uh, Mitt Romney, you know, ran for office. A lot of people, were, you know, media and, and other people were sort of nervous or worried about the Mormons feeling like they were secretive. The LDS church mm-hmm. was secretive. So I'm just kind of curious your take on both this temple, um, does it project this kind of importance in Washington, or and by opening it up, are they trying to, you know, demystify and, and be less secretive? Uh, and is, is that it? part of a is that I, part of a political I, I, strategy? Really you know, I'll tell you something. Historically speaking, the Mormons in this town, the people members of the church, have been very influential in the government from the government agencies to Senator Orrin Hatch. Since Orrin Hatch is probably one of the most, before Mitt Romney, is mm-hmm. probably one of the most well the late Senator Romney, because he, we all know his background from Utah, but he was very big on jazz and had a lot of friends in the jazz community and the African-American community. I remember going to his office as a reporter when I worked for the African-American press, and he would always have cream sodas. This is Senator Hatch, who was a woman. Mm-hmm. When I went to the Washington Post, he said, you think you're too good to come in my office now? I said, no. <laughs> he said, well, you come in. I got cream soda. So he was a very gregarious guy. You think about Marriott. Mm-hmm. You think about guys who work in the CIA, some of the highest just government workers were people from the church. Um, when I say the church, the LDS church. So they've had a very strong history. One of the biggest things they've done in recent years is funding that the Smithsonian the Smithsonian has all these slave records that um, from the 1900 census, the other census, have a mm-hmm. lot of records of things. And the Mormon Church has a partnership. I feel like a PR person for the church. I don't know what. But mm-hmm. they have this partnership where they do these genealogical studies. Right. And, and I wonder, is it all about so they can rebaptize somebody? But they have a very extensive uh, research department where they work in partnership to help people first. Um, do their family history, 
my own family. Right. Um, the guy was there and passed away, Cole Goodman, very good friend of mine. He, he had brain to um, aneurysm, uh, but he passed uh-huh. away. But I remember yeah, you mentioned him. you mentioned him in your piece. So right. yeah, tell us yeah, about I mean, Cole. Cole was a guy I used to be trusted. I'm like, because they had an a open house at the Stake Center. Then they had one at the Mormon Visitor Center, which has always been open. And he came by one day. He was like a computer genius. And just thought, he asked me about my name of my grandmother. And before I knew it, he had a picture of the USS Tarpon, the ship that would go along the intercoastal waterway between Pensacola, Florida, and Panama City that hmm. my grand, great-grandfather had worked on. I, I'm, wow. I was like, man. And so it's interesting how we all want to know family. We all want to know our background. And so that was a partnership that the LDS has had within the, the black community. Now, at this point, I'm not quite sure what's happening with that, but mm-hmm. I know that there are interests in terms of this whole family background. What does family mean to mm-hmm. them? What does family mean to other people? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, the, the LDS church and the and people, the uh, members of that church are, there's so many fascinating things, and you bring out, um, you know, some of that here. Just like you say, the tracking of genealogies, which is a gift to the, you know, rest of rest of America to to have uh, that kind of careful gene- genealogy work. Um, and you know, and, and then these interesting structures, these temples that are, frankly, I think uh, a lot impressive, of a lot of impressive. Right. The structures, not and see what's amazing. They have. I'm I'm, I'm a Freemason. I mean. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. the fraternity and all this sort of stuff. But okay. they have a lot of the Mormon people within that group, too, and that's good hits, too, about the whole secret thing or whatever. So <laughs> for people who subscribe to certain organizations, there's a whole separate world out here. And a lot of them, I don't know if it's all found in, in truth or mystery or intrigue, I would call it, but even the the, the, the whole um, structure of the temple, the tile of the thing, it's all symbolic of things. And so mm-hmm. I think it's, it was ve- definitely a very intriguing visit there. And I had one one question about the structure. Um, do they have, like, one big worship space somewhere? Like, right. uh, people, or do they not have that? Yeah, like a they have place? it on the mm-hmm. seventh floor. The hmm. seventh floor, and again, that's the top floor. I was not able to and they have pictures of this too. They have put out a lot of pictures of that 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 is at the very top, and again mm-hmm. at the highest level. So, but it's not as ornate as you would say. Like I'm I'm looking at photos now, and again you got the fonts down below when you walk in, and then you have um, as you get higher, and then that one room, this very unique room, is kind of gothic and. And again, and even the top floor I'm looking at now, it holds about 500 people. A lot. And it's all white. The furniture is all white, the stairwell. And even the pulpit um, rostrum is um, all white. It's hmm. White, right. And it, it, but it's amazing. And the, the, the sanctuary itself, they're just like regular chairs that you can hmm. have banquet chairs and stuff. And mm-hmm. they got. Quiet loss, it can hold about oh, 
about 60 to 70 people. But mm-hmm. it's interesting, that sanctuary, unlike a regular church we might attend, <clears throat> the baptism is within that font, that font the baptism font. Oh, mm-hmm. The weddings are not conducted in the sanctuary. Right, right. They're on these the other floors building. you told us about, right? Right. The whole building is a sanctuary of part of the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. So, again, you 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 know, um so the place. Yeah, it sounded fascinating and I wish I could have been been with you on that tour, but I'm glad I get to hear this conversation or be part of this and, and read your piece and you, you kind of uh uh you open the piece in the first paragraph talking about uh someone sounds like someone wrote graffiti called uh saying free Dorothy. Oh, yeah, free what was Dorothy. that all about? Okay, well you know, we all know the the fictitious movie um, Judy Garland, you know, the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the the Mormon temple from the beltway, there's a bridge that kind of like right in front of the temple. And it's like you, you, you do think about the land of Oz, these tall walls you can't see. And so somebody wrote on graffiti, and they do it all the time, on that thing like Free Dorothy. In other <laughs> words, you know, it's like a slap at the Mormon temple. But then everybody gets it, so it's it's been like like folklore. Mm-hmm. How did uh, did Jonathan or the other people you met there? Did they uh were, well were you and other people cracking any jokes about that kind of thing? And did they, well, they did they crack jokes or you know enjoyed hearing that? Because they had so many again, the spires three hundred feet into the sky, but they just kind of laughed. I mean, what was amazing to me is the people doing the tour. And again, they were just kind of regular folks, and I didn't go like a, with the official press delegation. I, I really liked it. I like I wanted to just be a regular Joe Blow, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't like oh we got the press here. But I look back, a lot of reporters went. Mm. They were on their own. I mean, I, in fact, the Angel Baroni, that's it. At the highest point of that spire, that gold spire, you have mm-hmm. this this figure. Of, in goal of this, what they call the Angel Ramoni statue, Moroni, M-O-R-O-N-I. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's blowing a trumpet. And you can see the Capitol Beltway below. So that's hmm. way up there above the seventh floor, this Angel Moroni. And that's both one of their great figures within the church. And that's only on one spire. Again, the mm-hmm. shape of that building is, uh, again, I don't know what the geometric figure is but again um it's just interesting um yeah. about that building and again that pictures and, but mm-hmm. you, know, you really wonder though sometimes why can i mean if god is a symbol of holiness then does man does man have to be kind of sanitize the world from his hope the holiness of god so there's a lot of serious questions. Hmm. You know. Well, it sounds yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a had a really uh, you know interesting visit, almost like as a journalist, tourist, and and uh, it sounds like they you, they treated you and everybody else who visited with uh, you know welcome uh, welcome right. spirit and kindness. And uh, this is a fascinating piece for us, so we appreciate you writing it and chatting well, with us about this. It. And I guess the last thing is funny. I look at this picture and I remind myself. They have a lot of pictures of Jesus in the clouds and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it's like it seems like the the LDS, the church, um, they really 
turn these buildings, if there's 12 life-size oxen, it represents the 12 tribes of Israel. So this baptismal font is the beginning. And this this pool looks like a big like a big cup of soup, you mm-hmm. know, the baptism. <laughs> and it's on top of twelve oxen that represent the twelve tribes of Israel. So you see this mixture of um the Bible, you got mm-hmm. culture, you got history, and you know, and this whole thing. And I thought it was interesting that again with Joseph Smith, which is a controversial figure, you know, with the founder that, you know, who believes that Jesus um, came to North America mm-hmm. and revealed this to him. Um, and that's what kind of get people look at the church in a different, different way to hold on. Mm-hmm. And that, but it seems like the Mormon church wants to be more mainstream, but they still have those core tenets, you know. And, uh, yeah. Well, and they have, as you noted, they've moved. They had to move several times in history in America. They were persecuted right. violently right. at times, right. and um, uh, and and they, you know, they number. They have the Brigham Young University in two locations, mm-hmm. and and uh, which is a big, you know, big uh, D one football school and everything. And oh yeah, uh, back at Brigham Young, there's millions. Was... There's like ten, fifteen million Mormons. I think uh, oh, yeah. many, and many uh, LDS also... believers in the world. Right, I've taught at Morgan State University for four years, and we have a partnership with Brigham Young. We had where the, the Mormon students, the LDS students, would come to Baltimore, and I remember they came, and here's this group of white kids that did in the hood, and the relationships that were founded, and I was supposed to go to Provo, but I didn't make it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, but I just think it, I just think that at a time where there's so much racial Animals and just crazy stuff going on in our world. This is one of the opportunities where people from different walks of life could come together. And I just thought that was maybe I'm a little naive, but I still thought it was a good day for humanity, regardless well, of one's religion or walk of life. It just was a good day. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and, and thanks again for telling us all about your uh, your journey <laughs> that day. You're welcome. Have a great day, Hamil. 